This is episode number 325, The Gravity of Up with Brent Yates. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. That programming of positivity and gratefulness that's the gravity of up and the gravity of up has to start every day for me that discipline that you have that i have that all elite athletes have like if i want to live the life that i want to live for my wife and my family that discipline it's not sometimes it's every day happy thanksgiving to my american friends out there it's funny i live in canada now but the american thanksgiving always feels like real thanksgiving to me I hope that you are spending some time with friends and family and taking some time to reflect upon what you're grateful for. And sometimes there can be a lot of pressure with gratitude, but gratitude can be as simple as being thankful that we have clean air to breathe, being thankful that we have garbage pickup, being thankful that we have a warm, dry place to live. Or it could be much bigger and much bigger than you. So happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you have a great day. Before we get into today's guest, I want to say that I'm really thankful for our longtime partner, Inside Tracker. If you haven't heard of Inside Tracker, now is definitely a great time to start thinking about taking control of your health. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on on the inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source. Guess what it is? Your own body. And this Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you can get $200 off Inside Tracker's Ultimate Plan and 34% off the entire store. Normally, with our promo, we do 20% off the entire store. So, this is a massive discount. So, if you've been on the fence about thinking about Inside Tracker, now is a great time to give it a try. Go to insidetracker.com forward slash Sonia for my exclusive discount code. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. So your data and the algorithm that supports how to live your best life is supported by some of the best minds. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan through their app on how to live healthier and longer lives using lifestyle changes like food and like managing your energy. Another fun thing about Inside Tracker is they can also calculate biological age, so the rate at which you're aging, and you can get your inner age, compare that to your chronological age, and then find out ways to lower that biological age. The thing that I love most about Inside Tracker is that it's personalized to you and your goals. So whether your goals are health or performance or maybe a blend of the two, you can get recommendations that you can do based on the type of foods that you choose to eat, based on the lifestyle that you want to live. And the reference ranges of these biomarkers are based on that, not on what you would get in a normal blood test from your doctor. This Black Friday and Cyber Monday, get $200 off the ultimate plan, which is the one that I've been doing since 2017, or 34% off the rest of the store. So make sure you go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia to take advantage and get behind the steering wheel of your own body. So let's get into today's awesome guest. 
Brent Yates is the author of The Gravity of Up. He is also an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and a speaker. Over 10 years ago, Brent's life was falling apart. Everything he knew about his life was changing, but a group of people came into his life that changed his trajectory. He worked hard to reject negative mindsets and move towards happiness. In this week's episode, Brent shares a story from his childhood years to his later years and how he went from being a bully to being humble and kind and bringing up everybody else around him. In today's episode, we tackle big topics like how to untangle a complex past, how to untangle being a bully, and maybe some of you out there can resonate and have been bullies in your life or currently are being bullies in life. We talked about how pain is the greatest motivator for transformation and what it means to be humble and kind. We also talk about aging and how he he views his senior years, and I think that a lot of People in our culture view aging in a negative way. And I love talking to people who view aging as a way to come into the best years and come into the best opportunity to raise everybody else up around them. If you enjoy all topics, high performance and well-being, you might like my weekly newsletter at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. I write an article every week and I research a topic to help give you actionable tips on how to be your best self. So get that at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. And also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review or hit that subscribe button because that is the best way to help it find others. Or just tell your friends about us because we love doing this show. We love putting out all of these amazing guests for you. And it makes us really enjoy it even more whenever we know that other people are listening too. If you're trying to figure out some fun gift ideas for the holidays coming up, I still have my company, Moxie and Grit, and that is M-O-X-Y and Grit.com, where I have really fun, tenacious, and bold socks, cycling socks, cycling jerseys, ebooks, and more. And they make really fun gifts for people or maybe just a gift for yourself. So go over to MoxieandGrit.com and check it out. Okay, let's get into today's episode with Brent Yates. Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. Good morning. Before we hit record, we were talking a little bit, and it sounds like your wife has been a big inspiration in your life. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Yeah, so I met my wife uh, six years ago, and uh, my wife's a a cancer survivor. She had uh, cancer before I met her 18 years ago when she had cancer. I met her six years ago, and uh, she's, I mean, she's a force of nature and positivity, positivity, and you know, everybody I meet along the way these days that, that have had a trial, like if they're still here, they figured out the positivity piece. So, you know, that's a lot about what I talk about. What I talk about gratefulness and positivity is comes through people like my wife. So she is my force. She's my rock. She's beautiful. Um, it, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very blessed to have her. Yeah. And those of you that, well, nobody can see you that's listening, but you have a big smile on your face. (laughs) Hell yes, I do. (laughs) And now I'm laughing. Now you got me laughing. My cheeks are turning red. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Cool. Almost everybody has some kind of story, something that they've been through, or maybe some people are stuck in their current story wanting to change their story. Where does yours start? Oh, boy. My story really started, you know, I'm, I'll be 62 years old this year. And I think programming as a, as a child and who my parents were and how they were raised, like that's where we all start. And I think, you know, good or bad, you know, the DNA, we have our DNA and then we have the people around us. And I have a 13-year-old granddaughter who just did a podcast with me, uh, a couple, I guess now it's been six months ago. But that's what we got to talk about was, you know, what's, 
who's who's programmed you who's been your influence i know i'm an influence and i want to be a bigger influence but soon it was ava grace and hopefully you'll get to see that podcast that's one i'm really really proud of i said soon you know you have to become your own person and make your own decisions on you know where do you want to go to college you want to be a model what do you want to be is it is it a wife and you know you want to stay at home whatever that is ava has to decide so so for me our programming and who we are as a child who is that, right? Like we're, we're born pure and, and no real uh, thoughts of who we're supposed to be. But somewhere we have to decide in ourselves what we're supposed to be. And I think finding purpose and, and figuring that all out is, is tough. But someone like myself coming along and saying, hey, you know, you have all the in, these influences. What makes Ava feel really good about Ava? And what do you think you would inspire you to be your best? So that's what I want you to do. So I think for me, my story... My parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, my mom was a great athlete. And I, it felt like, you know, when I wrote the book and, you know, as I lived a lot of my life up to 47, when I had the biggest problem in my life, it was them kind of putting measurements around me. I was a good athlete as well, college basketball player, uh, scratch golfer. and But I don't know that, that that wasn't all me. And And then my dad wanted me to take over the business and support him in his older age, and which I did. But, you know, I wanted to be a stuntman. And so I wanted to go to Hollywood. I was, I, I felt like I was this guy, I had all this big energy and, you know, I, I had a couple attributes and I thought, you know, I can do that. I can step in for those guys. And, and so, you know, I just didn't want to grow up, basically. I did, I, you know, I went to college and played basketball, but I really went just to play basketball. I went to college to play basketball, as I said. And, and I think for me, you know, I just, I didn't really want to grow up. And so those influences and, that's really where it started for me. And my mom was a very, very strong personality in our family. My dad was the leader, but my mom, she ruled. And so when I went into my marriage, uh, no woman was going to tell me anything. And I think my life kind of started that way as a young child as well. When the, the, a bully picked on me early on and I came home and they knew something was up and they just said, Hey, you know, you have to take care of yourself and that will never happen again. And then I kind of, took that way over the edge. And I became the bully, basically. And uh, and I also saw in second grade, uh, I had a teacher, Mrs. Davidson. And uh, somebody in the class always bullied Mrs. Davidson. And what I remember from being in second grade, she was just ancient. I don't know how old she really was, but she was ancient. <laughs> She's probably like and 40. Somebody, yeah, probably, probably. And, uh, and somebody used to always pick on her. And I don't know what I did to this bully, but I, I stopped it. Whatever I did, I, I have no clue. But then when I got to the next grade, the teachers, like I was special. They knew that something was different about me. And I really loved that. So I love standing out. But yet at the same time, the pressures, as you know, for standing out can become a, a huge weight. And so for me, I think the pressures of taking over a family business. And, and then my dad was just this big, big figure. Uh, loved, was an amazing craftsman. And uh, had a successful, very, very small business. I just wanted to be bigger than him. And so for about, I don't know, 25 years of my life, that's what I spent doing was trying to be bigger than my father and be more loved than my father and then support them, which I think all those things happen other than the part of me going over top of my father. So I think in the book, I, I come to a grip with now my son's in the business. I handled that in a different way where you know, he respected me and yet I'm lifting him up and yet I'm staying on top of him because I don't want him to get all cocky. Right. But at the same time, 
there's a perspective there that he respected and I got to see with him and I, you know, I'm pulling him, he's pushing me. And I think the big piece with, with me is I didn't want him to get over top of me, but I wanted him to have space too. So there's been this cool dialogue of, or a thought process of my father, whom I just kept trying to go over top of where, you know, he recognized me, he loved me, he was my biggest cheerleader, but I just didn't quite respect the relationship. I just wanted to be so big. And so at the end of the day, my father, and my mother, those were my influences. And, you know, I just didn't live life right until 47. My relationship with my wife wasn't good because she couldn't tell me anything because my mom ruled my father at home. And it just, I was going the other way. And uh, I, I can't blame it on her. She was obviously raised a certain way. And, but at the end of the day, you know, that's the path I chose. And I just wanted to fight everything. And that bully in, in, in second grade, the bully in sixth grade, like I became that guy and I forced my way through everything, through life, through business, through my relationships. Like I wanted to fight everything and then so unhealthy until finally, you know, it, it took over. So I don't know if that completely answered your question, probably more than answered your question, but the influences are, you know, everybody that's around you as a, as, as a child and, you know, rate, rate to when you're making your own decisions. And then that goes on with family. So anyway, those were my, my first one. Yeah, it sounds like you spent a lot of time untangling a lot of complex or just complexities that were going on inside of you growing up with having two very strong parental roles. You know, the way that you felt seen or maybe didn't feel seen, you, you mentioned like you felt very competitive with your father wanting to be better yeah. and bigger than him. But you also said that when you got to third grade, you wanted to feel special. You you wanted to be seen and to be valued. And maybe in so much that you became the bully because you wanted so much to feel that way. But then realizing that, wow, I, I've been a bully my whole life. Like, what was it like whenever you figured that out? And how did you figure that out? You know, I don't, it allowed me, that's the way I dealt with life. In business, you know, I thought that's what people wanted to see. I, I ran a construction company, ended up being, you know, 700 people at, at one time. And, you know, wow. I, I was the guy that, I was taking everybody up the hill. And if somebody got in my way, I'd, I'd push them out of the way. So my success, I felt like was tied to that tough, tough character. And what's really interesting is when I went through the enlightenment, and I don't know if you want to go there already, but at 47, when I got ill, I had MRSA in my forehead, in my ears, convulsions. I'd gone through the financial crisis. It was 2007, a divorce the same year and a lawsuit. There's several other little things, right? And But it just... It, it it beat the hell out of me. And so when I when I went through that, I, I started to realize that, you know, that's all I did was fight. You know, I, I the lawsuit, I just wanted to fight. I wanted to fight out, you know, these guys were picking on me and it, it became a racial lawsuit when it was a real estate lawsuit. And I, you know, I tried to, you know, do the right thing in the in the situation, but they weren't having anything to do with it. So I wanted to fight them too. You know, they were wrong. And so about the same time my life coach came along. And he helped me to realize that, you know, I wanted to fight everybody and that was either going to kill me, but it wasn't going to take me any further. That fighting, that constant, you know, wanting to battle. I would have, I would have dreams and I helped my pastor who just passed uh, about, a, about last summer, one of the best men I ever knew. I helped him build a couple churches and I used to have dreams about my pastor getting in my way and me pushing him out of the way too. Like I was so bent on going to where I thought I was supposed to be, like you didn't want to get in my way. And 
What's really interesting is the only person I never intimidated was my mother. And there were times where like my mom was like, you know, what are you doing, son? And I was like, well, she's going to get intimidated too. And not my mom. My mom's, uh, I just flew her out of Florida yesterday uh, to get her out of the storm. And she's in the house right there right now. And what toughest person that I know and the most loving to me today and the one that makes me toe the line and really the only one I listen to. I listen to my wife too, but you know, there's just that, there was that twist in there somewhere where I was like, yeah, she, she really does get it. And I should have listened along a lot along the way. I don't know if that answers your question. So you mentioned that at 47, you had Mm -hmm. basically the bottom fell out. MRSA is the flesh eating bacteria, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like lawsuit, like just all these things happening to you. And you also mentioned, is that also when you got a life coach? That same year? Yeah. So what happened was I considered suicide. And in the suicide, I realized that I didn't want to die. And so in that moment or the moments that followed, I knew I had to do life differently. And it scared the hell out of me in that moment. So I knew I had to do life differently, but I didn't know how. I had faith. I had God. But at the time, you know, the, the faith was way down the list. And you know, I'm trying to survive and God wasn't a tool I was using. And so what I then realized is, you know, you're either going to live or you're going to die. And I chose to live. And, and the mind process and what happened in that moment was I was just open to people helping me and, and my mind changed. And I had experienced Phoenix uh, about, I don't know, eight years earlier. Uh, I followed the Buckeyes out for a football game to Phoenix. And I always thought if I got divorced, I'm going to go to Phoenix. People seem different there. The moon was different. The stars were different. I know the weather's different, but people live there with a different energy. And I thought, well, you know, if I get divorced or if this all goes bad, I'm going to Phoenix. And that's what I did. Soon I met a trainer. I wasn't training. I was on crutches as well. So, so my body had totally shut down. Like, like if what you see today, like, like I was about 175 pounds I'm 200 a day, but my body had like, I was nothing. I was, I, I, mind, body, soul, it was all gone. And so I've got pictures that are in alignment with the book from where I started at 47 to where I am today or and in the middle. I mean, it. I had a two-year period where I didn't think I'd make it to 50. And so when I got to Phoenix, the first guy that came into my life was a trainer. I'm on crutches. I'd been there about a month, but I was seeing that I wanted to be there. I felt the energy. I felt life there. And the most amazing trainer still to this day came into my life. And just like, I was at the Mona Lucia Spa in uh, uh, Paradise Valley and I'm standing out, I'm on a second level gym and I'm just standing there thinking about going in and maybe doing a little little lifting, but I didn't train at that time or work out. And uh, this guy comes up who ended up being Tom Draft, trainer at the Mona Lucia Spa. Have you ever been there? Mm -mm. Paradise Valley, Phoenix, not a a place you hang out. I've been to Phoenix, but um, just not, not there. Just Sedona, more Sedona. Sedona, Uh, Anyway, uh, there's some good mountain biking in Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he comes up and he puts his arm around me and he says, how you doing? And so I was kind of insulted, right? Cause I still had that little bit of edgy ego. I needed help on on crutches. (laughs) So I was insecure, uh, but still a dude, right? I'm still like, I I thought it was somewhat tough. And uh, he meant that, like he really meant, how are you doing? And we ended up developing this amazing relationship. His name is Tom Draft. And uh, we, we lived together. We worked out together. We were developing a training device for uh, uh, rehab purposes. 
I mean, we had about a year and a half where like this guy was completely off the edge, like what he ate, how he thought, how he meditated, how he lived his life, what he put in his body. And I say off the edge, like, like I'm kind of over the edge as well. I'm like, that's what but, probably everyone thinks about me. <laughs> <laughs> what I've read, you could be over the edge. So, but I'd never seen anything like that. So focused on himself and so focused on being better. And I'd never, ever witnessed that. And that's what I needed. Somebody that was all in, somebody that put out like his spirit. Like I've met three or four people on the planet. I'm, I think I told you I'm 61 who have this spirit that when you see them and you have one of them too, uh, I see why Christina is attracted to you, where you're just like blown away. Tom, when we walked in a room, like nobody saw me. They only saw Tom. Tom floated in and Tom loved on everybody. And he had, he was had a great body. He uh, completely took care of himself. He was a he was a real deal, and he had been at it for a long time. He was a former model and weightlifter. And but I met him. He was probably fifty three or fifty four. I'm forty seven or forty eight. And this guy like just took me under his wing. So he was the first one. Same time within a month, I meet Al Fuentes, who's in the book. He he gives visualizations in our book and kind of takes you through my timeline. We have five hundred fifty visualizations over the last twelve years and. So he's connected those to the book and the timeframes that we use them. So I met Al Fuentes, who became my life coach, still is my life coach, mental coach, whatever you want to call him. But so within two months, I meet these two amazing men of integrity, men of spirit, men of character. And then I and then it was a church. And then a church came in. Like like God threw it all at me. And I'd already been in church, but I went into the most amazing church in Phoenix, the, the largest, fastest growing, got to know the pastor and elders and all these people came around me and I, and I was pretty beat. No, I'm on crutches. I, MRSA, I've still got this circle in the, in, in the center of my forehead from MRSA, got it out of my ears. And that was all a crazy story as well. But you name it, like I had broken down and God threw the kitchen sink at me and got me off my knees. And so Phoenix, I'm going to speak in Phoenix in a couple of weeks. And when I get there, it's just, high, high energy because of my roots, because the people, what they, what they did for it, they're still, they're all still out there. And so when I go there, as soon as I get in the airplane and start flying that way, about halfway, my energy changes. Mm -hmm. I'm in a book, I'm, I'm focused, I'm tuning in. And it's, it's just so cool out there. And I, I, I know why you love Sedona. We go up there, my wife and I, we have an apartment in Phoenix. So we spend maybe about three or four months there a year, but mm -hmm. Phoenix is it. Phoenix is the place for me. Yeah, that's so amazing that you were able to find that place for you. And that you like, number one, you found that place. And then number mm -hmm. two, you realized I have to move somewhere, I have to change my physical environment and go somewhere else. And that drove you and then by making that decision, it opened up all of these doors, you met these people that were massive inspirations in your life that pulled you out of that chip on the shoulder bully mentality to be open to somebody helping you, which it sounds like in the past, that wasn't something that you were very open to. It was more like my, this, you have to do it my way. And that's, that's a massive transformation. And it sounds like really easy whenever you tell the story, but I'm sure that that mm. was not an easy process shifting essentially your identity and who you are and how you approach the world. But finding these people was so important for you. Yeah. It's, it was so all well said and, and you're right in tune with it. And I think I was still had a business back in Ohio. So I was doing Phoenix like a, a couple weeks and go back, a couple weeks and go back. And once I became, I'll call it enlightened, it took a, a couple seasons for me really through the churches and all the people feeding into my life. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you and ask you mm -hmm. like 
you said when I became enlightened, when you had that big shift, yeah. like what was yeah. that process? For me, like my life coach had worked with me. Now, now Tom had worked with me uh, through music, through getting quiet. It didn't happen for me until about a year after both of those came into my life. And I read Tole and uh, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. Have you ever read it? Mm-mm. Like our Tole, um, you mean? Yeah. I haven't read yeah, that one, was, no. Just the power an, of now. He was an Oprah star or whatever, and, and somebody suggested him. And so he was like the fourth or fifth thing that came into my life. And when I read mm-hmm. Tole, I was actually sick in a hotel room. My, my uh, middle daughter, my oldest daughter, was getting ready to get married in Ohio. So I'd flown back to Ohio. And I had some cold or swine flu or something. This is 12 years ago. And uh, I read Tole while I was sick in bed. And as soon as I closed the book, I went outside in this, it was a Hilton parking lot. And I had this most, like I started really meditating. And I had this most amazing experience. The moon was right there and I was running in this parking lot. As I see it today, and even then I described it like a deer. And I, I don't know what that all really was. But I had that moment where I changed and, and, you know, through spirit, through all the things that came into me, it changed me and enlightened me. It, it, I now looked into the future instead of wondering, you know, what's the future going to be like for me? Now I was excited about the future. And now I greet people and really take people in and I bring my energy where that wasn't the case for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I would take your energy. And mm-hmm. if you had nothing else for me, like I'd flip the. The, the lid down here. We, I wasn't that guy. So a, a big part of my transformation also was um, uh, I went to the beach in Santa Monica in, this was like 2011. I've got this rope climb that if you're on my social media, you might see, but my life coach made me engage with the homeless. And I was so shut down. Like, like this is before I became enlightened. Also, it's just one of those other things. I was so shut down that like, again, I didn't engage people. People saw me coming and they, they moved out of my way still. Like I was still fighting, trying to figure it out. And he took me to the beach and I engaged people on the beach under palm trees. And when you know that people have gotten to the beach, know that they've totally disconnected with society, right? They're one step away from the water. So I'm now I've got lunches, I've got water. I'm taking these people on the beach and they're looking at me like I'm the FBI, like I'm MMA, like... But what I realized was like, I was one step away from the beach so many times, the actual Mm -hmm. water. And I ended up in the water. And I think in our lives, like we don't know where people are at, but we know that at some point, like you're probably about ready to throw in the towel and you've probably been there. So me getting that empathy, uh, that compassion for people changed me. So I had about a two year period where I got Tole. I got my life coach. I had Tom, my trainer. I got the church. I got these elders. I got these people feeding into my life who are amazing men. And I had some already, but they all just got through it all at me and said, son, like, like he knew that one or two wasn't going to work for me. Like he, he gave it all to me. You mentioned that earlier on that your parents were really big, like mm-hmm. personalities. And that mm-hmm. you also mentioned when you were talking about your granddaughter, that, you know, there's a lot of shaping that happens. How are these people different from your parents? I think I had to fall down first. I think I had to be beat up. I think I had to be close to death before I changed. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm going to guess most people, unfortunately, have to get to that place before they open their mind. And I think once they open their mind, then things like the world is possible. 
And I, I see life as a, as a team game. Like all the people around me, like I keep putting more people around me. And I can't wait to see how high we really truly go because I'm just getting started. And that's a whole nother subject. But it, it's truly these people, I was beaten and beaten hard enough to have to make a choice. So now when I looked at people, I was at least they saw somebody that was open to help. My ego, I shed some of the ego because I just about taken my life, disease it about taking my life. So I was open to it. That would yeah. be the big thing. Yeah, pain yeah. is fortunately and unfortunately a great motivator. And yeah. also it sounds like the empathy and compassion piece really changed how you viewed the world yeah. and viewed yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. My walk, so this was 2007 through nine when I, when I became a different person, but I'd have to go back to Ohio. And so Ohio was very dark for me. That's where I went through the divorce and, you know, 20 rough years of, of marriage. And, uh, and it's where I was beating everything up and fighting and working 60, 70 hour days a week and uh, wait hours a week or whatever that is. And, and, you know, it was just dark to me. And so I'd have to now go back. I'm now enlightened. I've now been inspired to do more. And there's a cool story. They brought a guy and then I'll switch into Ohio and I'll talk about that back and forth. But know that Ohio was very, very dark for me. And I was frightened that I couldn't maintain what you see today in the spirit when I'd go back to Ohio. And it was very difficult. But a guy came to speak. It was like the last piece before I went, okay, I'm ready to go. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I can go do what I'm supposed to do. And that is run a business, take care of a family, and, and create you know a foundation for my family that I had broken. And uh, so a guy came to speak named Barry Cameron to our church at uh, uh, Church Christ of the Valley in Phoenix. And his message inspired me to get up. And he wrote a book. It's called Contagious Generosity. But the message was make more, save more, and give more. And I'm sitting there in the congregation and going, you know, what am I doing to give more? What am I doing? Like, I'm, everybody's helping me. And I'm, I'm not contributing. I felt like I wasn't contributing. But I felt strong enough that I was ready to go. I, uh, it took about two weeks to give everything away I had, had brought to Phoenix, which I now had nothing because Ohio had just left, you know, two years earlier. And I'm, I've got an apartment everywhere, but I really have nothing. So I gave my car to the church. I gave all the furniture away, whoever would come and get it. And, and, and I just went, all right, I got to go back to Ohio. And I had to cut strings with Phoenix because I knew I just want to come back. So it was very difficult. I didn't want to go back, but I had to go back. But that guy inspired me to, like I could do more. When I got back in 2011, fracking hit in the Midwest. And I, where are you from? I'm originally from the New Mexico. And you live now where? I live in uh, Canada on the West Coast. <laughs> okay. And so um, you know about oil and gas then. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the oil and gas business. We, we put in installed pipelines. And so fracking hit in within, I don't know, 100 miles of where I live. So 30 years, rough and tough business that I was in, pipelining and construction workers and fighting and grinding for every dime. We fracking hit. And I didn't frack, but I installed pipelines. So when, when the uh, natural gas got booming, I installed the pipelines from the wellhead out to infrastructure that you know sold companies that sold the, the, the natural gas. And my business grew about 100% a year, five years in a row. And so 30 years in business, grind, made decent money, but lots of risk. And I heard that guy speak like six months later, fracking it. And I'm back in Ohio. Now I'm trying to navigate who I was 
who I am and who am I going to be, right? To all these men who know me as really, really tough and rugged. And I, I set high expectations because I knew how to do the work. I've done the work. I've been in the battles with these guys. And so that was a tough balance for me. So, Yeah, I was actually going to ask you um, yeah. how your approach to running your business, because you're the owner and yeah. probably the CEO of your business. How has your leadership style changed with these major realizations and life changes? Yeah. I think what I got people to do was number one, I always, I kind of cared about people if they could give me what I wanted, right? I set these expectations, you meet them, like life's good. Like I'm going to take care of you. You took care of me. I changed here and here, which allowed me to Heart feed that head for those who can't see. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. And so when I got empathy and I realized that if I could feed people to want to be better, to change, to have a greater purpose. And that's what I wanted for them. Now that I'm back and I, you know I'm enlightened, which we just discussed, and I think differently, but yet they had to s- still know that I was the guy that could take them up the hill, right? That 100%. I was still that guy, but I didn't want to take it up with blood and spears. And you know I wanted to clear the path and use my mind and, and my energies. But now I started tying people into their hearts and what's next for them and what's greater purpose. So I started feeding them my tools, which were Tolay or... Maxwell Business Bible, or you know any of the any of the influences, song uh, Tim McGraw's in my book, uh, Humble and Kind. And so, 2015, we may get to that, but like everything started to shift. But yet, I, I when I needed to engage, that you know, I'll, I'll still take you up the mountain. They were all still there. They knew who I was. They loved, I think, a little better who I was now because it wasn't all about blood and guts. And uh, it transformed my company over a few years to where it ended up in 2018. Yeah, like leadership and culture starts at the top. And I'm sure that it was almost like whiplash for some of those people whenever the leadership style changed and like you you changed yeah. so much. And yeah. were there people that left because they actually just couldn't handle the change? No, I don't think so. And, and, and I think because you're talking about it right there and the change, great question. I also had to be careful with my family because I, you know, I kind of, I didn't disconnect, but I, you know, here dad's gone. You know, dad's living somewhere else. My kids are just are all we're all in college, but you know that that foundation was was crumbled, right? Mom and dad are split, and now who are they? And 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 my kids only knew me as tough and rugged, and like I'm taking the hill. So that was a delicate balance as well because they saw that dad was different, and I didn't want to scare them. Uh, I wanted to love on them differently. I wanted them to see who I I now was, but I wanted them to know I was still there for him if it was a battle. So I had it with my family as well, but no. Uh, nobody left. I don't. I don't remember anybody leaving. Uh, I, I probably still left. Let people go, uh, but I don't remember anybody running. We were very successful when I came back, and but that was God. That was God's grace. The fracking uh, again. I went from uh, probably doing ten, twelve million a year, doing one hundred fifty million a year in five years, and now I'm now I'm a, a nice company, a really nice, solid company. We always profitable. But profitable on 10 million is a lot different than 150 million. And so I was attracting people. Like now I've, I've got this new personality. I've got this new energy. But they knew I was still going to be there if there was a fire. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot there. Yeah. And especially you talking about your relationship with your kids. And yeah, I think a lot of times people are afraid to make a transformation in their life because they see this new identity or this new person that they're going to become. And they're afraid that they're going to alienate 
people around them. And like, for me, one of those things was like, I changed my diet to eating a plant-based diet in 2013. And I didn't tell anybody about the way that I ate for like four or five years because I was so afraid of alienating people. And I was worried people would think that I was judging them. And really, I just was doing it for me because that was the best thing for me. And whenever I finally told people about that, it it felt good, but people weren't um, running the other direction. And it was just like, okay, like that's fine. But it's just an example of being afraid to step into something that you're passionate about and that you're doing and that's really helping you because you're afraid of of you know scaring people around you or alienating people. Hundred percent. Yeah, we we really went through the same things and you let people see. You don't really talk about it, but they see there's some there's change, right? And then at some point there's a conversation. So, so that's really that's really cool. I wanted to ask about how you handle conflict now because I'm sure that that old bully is still in there. And yeah. you have to like wrestle that bully down whenever there is a conflict. So how how have you worked on dealing with conflict? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And and I think in the book, what you'll see is like I'll take 10 steps forward and there's a step back, right? That old programming is always gonna be there. So through my books, through my resources, through my tools, I call it my tools. When I go to speak, like like I got all these guys around me that I talk about and how they inspire me and you know, the 10 lines out of every book that, that means something for whoever I'm speaking to, that's what I use. But the biggest one is the discipline in the morning, that programming of positivity and gratefulness. That's the gravity of up. And the gravity of up has to start every day for me. That discipline that you have, that I have, that all elite athletes have, like if I want to live the life that I want to live for my wife and my family, that discipline, it's not sometimes, it's every day. And when life is like, like, I feel like if I can put that shield on every day, I'm going to be okay. But life comes at us hard, right? Right. Like, we both know that, right? It's, it's every day. It's something new. And I've got like 80 new things going on and, and new companies and three or four and new people. And like, sometimes it's like, really? Like, I'd like to get in there and just grab them and go, here's the way we're going to do this, right? But the old me is like, that doesn't work. And so it's unhealthy. So I think the big thing for me is I don't feel good when I'm like that. Like I can't survive like that. I can thrive in my new life and you can see the energy, but at 47 years old and how long ago was that? Uh, 14 years ago, like I had nothing left. And so it's, it's really a survival skill for me when I see it. It's like, okay, I got to decompress. I've got to breathe. And uh, that's typically what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like knowing what your foundation is and then being very intentional about that commitment and not not just making it something that you do sometimes, but being consistent. Yeah. And consistency is something that I think about and talk about all the time. Consistency doesn't even mean that it has to be perfectly done every single time, but it means that you just keep showing up to that thing that makes you you, that helps you be your best self. And it, it, yeah. yeah, it sounds like without that morning routine, which I'd love for you to talk about a little bit more, yeah, um, sure. like you just can't be your best self. And that old, that old programming comes back up. 100%. So I recognize when I'm not being my best self. And so I'll work harder. Like I'll, I'll go, okay, I got to take another 10 minutes or I just have to refocus because we can go through the motion. If it's a day after day after day thing that we do, that discipline can become undisciplined. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there's a special visualization that I have. I know there's a special place that I have and I'll go back there and go, all right, I got to reset. I love to talk to, uh, tell a story about Matthew McConaughey that I told at a company party, I think in 2013. And it's a cool illustration of all that. But in, in, in uh, 
1997, he did A Time to Kill. And he became like he was already somebody and I knew who he was. I liked, I liked what I saw. He was at peace with people. And I didn't know it, understand it at the time because I was watching this in the early 2000s and uh, in 97. And I had no clue, but, you know, everybody wanted to be around him. And so he, he did the movie and he became this instant hit, right? And mm-hmm. everybody was after him, producers and actors, and they wanted to do this script and that script. And in 2013, I read a People magazine. So his book hasn't, hadn't come out, obviously, Green Lights or... He hadn't That's such told a great story yet. <laughs> oh, oh, I love so the good. audio book too, because he reads it and he's just like hilarious. I don't know him, of course, but I just think he's hilarious yeah. in his book. <laughs> uh, he's on my list. And so uh, I will stay close because I will meet him. And so, and so what happened was uh, he, he recognized that he was getting out of balance. And this is in 13 that I'm reading it. And I'm still, now I realize what that is. And uh, he got dropped in Peru, as you read in the book. And uh, for seven days, really just enough food and water to get him through until he found his own food on the island. And uh, do you remember the story? I don't remember it. No. And so uh, for, he's eaten who knows what, mushrooms. I don't know what he's eaten, but he's, you know, he's seven days. He knows he's told his people in seven days, you pick me up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go find myself. And so he got ill for like uh, two evenings and the third evening, the third day, he's like walking like a football field in a circle around like a you know, a track around a football field. And he doesn't want to stray off of it because he knows his people can find him right there. So he, he basically took it to dirt, walking it all day long, very sick. He laid down ill and he thought the next morning, if I'm not better, you know, I'm going to have to call for help. And uh, he woke up and what he saw was that track he was wa- walking on had turned to flowers. So it was in the rainforest. It had all turned to flowers. Oh yeah, I remember and the story what he said now. was, yeah. yeah all I want is what I can see and what I can see is in front of me. And so I tell this story at my company party and they're thinking Matthew's coming. Everybody when after the party thought that Matthew was going to walk out, but that inspired me so much. And, and I look at my life today, that's like 20 minutes a day for you and I, seven days, 20 minutes, a day, you know, seven days times 24 hours, whatever that is, 20 minutes a day for you and I to go, I got to take this for myself. He took seven days all at once. Like, who does that? But aren't we worth, number one, putting everybody we can find around us to get us through this life and keep us as, you know, going as high as we can go? But 20 minutes a day, that's, that's what I need. I got to have that. I usually take a little more than that. But if I do 20 minutes, I got a chance at this. Time. So you're doing visualization in that 20 minutes? I'm doing 20, I'm doing 20 minutes of first I calm the mind down. I, there's no thoughts going on and then I get grateful. And then I feel like I've got a connection with God that I don't have at any other time of the day. Mm-hmm. I haven't turned my phone on. I've had coffee already. I'm usually in a hot tub or a steam room, but it's just me and God and the steam room and me getting quiet. And that's when I get connected to the man that most matters most to me today. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, there's other, I've got mentors in my life, of course, but that connection, that spirituality, that, that piece is most important to me. And that time, if I don't get it, sometimes I'm not a cool person to be around. So let's talk about humble and kind. And like yeah. in your book, you have the song lyrics um, from mm-hmm. the Tim McGraw song. Can you elaborate yeah. more on that? Absolutely. So I played this at my company. Um, I, you know, I heard it like time and time again in 2015. <clears throat> what I was hearing was n- not just the humble and kind part, but the recognition part. 
And by 2015, my company had now grown 100% a year. I didn't know a lot of the employees in my company at that time because now we're you know, <laughs> five, six, 700 people. I had hired them, but I didn't know them, right? And, and so I think the piece that most attracted me was once you've been recognized, now you've got to turn around and help the guy behind you. And I think I've taken that to a whole nother level with businesses as I talk about them. That's the backbone of what we do, right? And what our businesses do. But I think what gets lost is once I get there, it's like, all right, I've made it. Now I'm going to make more money and this is what I'm going to do for the boss. We have to then turn around and think about the company. And now who's coming up behind him? Who's filling his spot? And so when I felt like I'd been recognized, that was resonating with me on a high, high level. And what I, what I put out to my company was, we're going to grow and we're still growing. But what you need to think about is when you've been recognized, who you bring it up behind you. And that became part of our culture, truly. It's an easy thought process and it's an easy line, but so impactful to all our lives. I'm going to tie this all the way back to whenever you were competing with your father. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing people up behind you requires being really open about the idea that that person might surpass you in their abilities yeah. and in yeah. that mentorship. And yeah. the pi- like thinking about the pie, either getting smaller or making yeah. the pie bigger by helping those around you. And that's really different than how you were growing up. Have you, like, how do you talk with people who feel that constrictive feeling like, oh, they're going to take what's mine if I help somebody that's up and coming? Yeah. What's interesting is in my book somewhere, and I I don't remember writing it or saying it, but I said, had I had a brother, I'd have killed him. (laughs) And I I had a sister, thank God, or I'd be in jail and we wouldn't be talking right now. But there was no room for that in my life. So you hit it dead on the head dead on it, that there was no room for that. And so that change in thought process, gosh, I'm 2000, you know, as a leader, like I'm always thinking that, but I didn't cultivate it. And what I tell people now is like, we're going to continue to grow. If you find yourself in a company that doesn't have that mindset of growth, go somewhere else. If you find it, go to a mom and pop and you just like the culture and they're cool. They go to Florida for the winters and, you know, they've got their Cadillac already. Like find somewhere else to go. There's no energy in that whatsoever. And so our country is built on that growth model of let's get them there. And so what I tell people directly underneath me is I want you to go bring me two or three more people. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to elevate you. You're going to elevate and that you're going to be, you're always going to keep that spot. If you decide to drop out, something's not going right. So be it. But I haven't found that yet because they're pushing them. Everybody's pushing everybody up. But that's very, very key is they can't be worried about that. And if they are, they're not the right person anyway, and they need to go. And I can recognize that. Or as the leader, you have to be able to recognize that. But that mentality is below me 100%. And when I talk to my team now, it's like, I don't know who's coming next, but great people are coming. Get ready because you got to go up ahead of them and everybody's pushing you up. Yeah. And I also think that it's normal to have conflicting feelings. Even the people that are about helping others rise up and and bring mm. the entire, bring everybody up around them. You can still have that feeling of like, oh, what if they take what's mine? Or what if, you know, yeah. you can still have both of those feelings existing at the same time. It's not just one or sure. the other. Yeah. No question. It's up to the leader to, to let the guys that have now come up know that we're going a, a step further. That, that, that whole pyramid's coming up. So if you don't have the business or you don't have the, the profile or you're not in the right region or the right industry, very difficult to have that thought process. But my business is once I figured that growth process out, it's been um, easy to put in there. And the guys that are under me know 
you know, they, I think you have enough experience with people, especially at this point in my life. I think if I'm starting again and I don't have 40 years of experience, a little tougher, but people know when I tell them that, like, you're my guy and go find three more just like you. Cause we're, you know, somebody's going to fill that space. Everybody gets it and everybody goes, but very difficult probably at 30 years ago in my career to do so. Something that dawned on me earlier on when we were talking that I reminded myself to bring up later was that Mm -hmm. you're 61. And I think a lot of people think that, oh, I have to figure out my purpose or my life's calling or my life's work by the time I'm a certain age or why even bother making a change, you know, once I get past a certain point or, you know, I'm going to make it to 60 or 65 and I'm just going to retire. And, you know, that's, that's totally fine if that's people's, um, what people want to do. But a friend of mine, she's a very impactful person in my life. And on her 60th birthday, she told me, I I said, how does it feel to be turning 60? And she said, I am so incredibly excited about turning 60 because I have always known that my most impactful years of my life will be my senior years. And a lot of seniors will stop working or, or like that's that's the time where all of their things that they've been doing their entire life have compounded and they can make their biggest impact in the world. But people stop working. And I mean, not everybody likes their job and people want to retire because they don't like their job so they can do go do the thing that they love. But I just wanted to ask you about like what it's like to be 61 and how you view your your future and your impact. Wow. There's a lot in that question. Um, <laughs> a lot of emotion. What I tell my team that's around me now, and it's there's about 20 guys and women around me, uh, is I just drove a stick in it today. Like if I'm talking to them today, like what we do next, like I just got started. I feel like I just got started. I've been gifted this brand new career and I have a new purpose. And I think our purposes always are evolving. It used to be like, you know, I had to take these guys up the mountain and that was it. It was, it was really cool. When I started the book, I started videoing myself about a year and a half ago. I didn't do podcasts. I didn't know, I didn't even have a camera, right? Uh, I had no social media. I'd never been on social media. And uh, I videoed myself in, in uh, Nashville and I was talking about what I was going to do. And I knew I was going to put that out there. And, I started writing the book and the book started to gain momentum. And so about six months, maybe eight months, uh, it was probably more a year ago, I called my son and my daughters and I told them in each individually, hey, you know, I'm going to be on social media. You know, I'm writing this book and I want the world to hear from me. And uh, so I, I called my son. My son was really the most impactful conversation. And I told him all this and I said, you know, I've protected you for a long, long time. I said, I've, sh- I've not shown you truly who I am. And I've protected you in a lot of ways and I've given you space, but now know that you're going to see the true me. And he goes, dad, he goes, um, you could be on a beach somewhere and you've chosen that you want to impact lives. He goes, I tell your stories everywhere. And in that moment, I'm like, like I, I had no idea. My son told my stories. I don't even know what those stories That's were. That's in your book, isn't that it? In, it is. That inspired me to a whole different level in that mm-hmm. moment. When I knew I didn't have to protect him, and I also knew that I impressed him somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, from a career path and what's left, I want to inspire people my age to find their purpose. Like we have all these skill sets. We have all this experience and wisdom, and, and I want to get it. I, I, there's a, I got all kinds of stories right in, right in that space mm-hmm. where you know I've been in, in rooms with 500 CEOs and presidents, and I'm like, 
you know, what's next for us? Like, how are we going to change the world? Like, we have a certain amount of time left. And my time to eternity is a lot closer than it was to me being born. And what are you going to do? What are your kids going to see? What is that legacy truly going to look like? And I, I, I click people right in here. So I love that subject. I think it's getting me really excited. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah. Like, I just, I just think that there needs to be a shift amongst how we view aging and that mm-hmm. we feel like we have to rush so much to get things like get to the certain place. And I've been yeah. in that position myself. Someone said to me, um, it was a really wise thing. He said, he said, Sonia, there is plenty of time to do it all. You have plenty of time. Like, why are you rushing this? And you can do this your entire life. And I think that we're taught culturally that we ha- we're done at a certain age. Like you're done when you're 65, you're done when you're yeah whatever. And it's like, no, there's, there's a lot more out there for you. And I also would argue that having that sense of call it purpose, call it meaning, call it, and it it doesn't have to be, you know, writing a book and speaking. It could be like spending time with your grandkids or or whatever it is. I think that makes you live longer too. I, as you can see, I'm pretty tuned into what's next and where I'm going and that's contagious. And for people, the people that look at me and my team, they're like, they're trying to figure out how they get to where I am. That's what jacks me up. Like I yeah. want them to get where I'm at. Like I, I'm telling them, like one of you is going to get. Like I got two or three, four years. I'm going to lead this at a high, high level. I said, but one of you all is coming right up in here, and, yeah. and I'm going to make space for that when it's time. But ain't none of them ready yet. Know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people find you and learn more yeah. about you and your book? Gravity of Up. They can find me at BrentYates.com. They can find me at Gravity of Up. They can find me at Be the Lead. But just Google Brent Yates and uh, they're, they're, they're going to get right to our website. They're going to get to our resources. I've started a company called Gravity Up Gear. Like I wrote the book two years ago, right? So mm-hmm. Gravity Up Gear, I can't wait to get you my first signature piece, which is All right. <laughs> this girl is my motto right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's an insulated weighted vest that is uh, right up your alley. Oh, and cool. I've got three or four different sports uh, elite guys that are ready for it. So I'm about a month and a half for putting it on them, but it is next level. So I can't wait to get you on. Yeah. The way to vest comment, um, this is kind of a side story, but I mm-hmm. did this race in Nepal in 2012 mm-hmm. and it was across the Annapurna circuit. It was a 10 day mountain bike race and no one had ever done, no woman had ever finished. And part of that race involved starting at four o'clock in the morning and you had to disassemble your bike and hike in the dark, in the snow up to 18,000 feet. So you had to like physically carry your bike on your back for many, many hours at very high altitude. So to train for that and to do that, I would actually go to the gym and I would hold weights in my hand, like above my head. Cause like you have to hold your bike or hold stuff. And I'll just walk yeah. on the stairmaster, just like climbing the stairmaster and people would walk by looking at me like, what is she doing? So yeah, that weighted vest would have been <laughs> helpful for that. What's well, insulated and weighted and what I've read about you. So uh, <laughs> I'll tie this in and I don't know if we're about out of time, but Echo Mountain which is the in Paradise Valley. It's it's the coolest mountain. If you ever get to Paradise Valley inside of Phoenix, like it's the coolest climb you'll ever do on any on any continent. Boulders, there's there's railroad ties, there's railings, there's flat uh, face stuff. There's like at at forty. There's a picture in my book. Uh, I'm, I'm fifty and I'm just I'm I'm running this mountain, and uh, it's just the coolest experience you ever want. But I'm I'm less than 30 minutes up and 15 minutes down. But that's all I want. I don't want anything to do with what you just <laughs> talked about. I didn't want to get to a pool and I want to drink a cold beer and <laughs> I'm good. And I've done my thing. Like it's all working and I'm at a high level, but 
that four day thing or that one day thing or staying overnight on a mountain. That ain't me. So <laughs> I get who you are. Uh, that whole mountain bike thing is like, that's not me either. But getting mm-hmm. in a gym, training, playing some pickleball, driving cars fast, uh, playing some golf. And, and I'm an amateur uh, Porsche driver as well. Oh, cool. And uh, so I don't know if you like to drive cars fast, but my wife is going to connect you to us. Know that 100%. And so those are the, some pickleball. Uh, we She loves to race. She's a rock star in a race car, by the way. And uh, so, but it's controlled. It's, it's on a track. We've got professionals around us, but that is one of my biggest hobbies now is racing Porsches. But uh, anyway, if you like to go fast, she's the girl. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and I'm excited for people to connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're lovely. I really appreciated Brent's vulnerability to talk about some of these difficult things. And it can be hard to say to people, this is what I used to be like. And this is how I've changed my life too. Check out his book, The Gravity of Up. And if there's somebody or something that you would love to hear, I'd love to hear from you. So you can contact me at sonyalooney.com. I am always looking for great guests. I've been doing this show for five and a half years. So I've gotten to talk to a lot of awesome people. And I'm always interested in expanding my frame of reference and the types of guests that I have on the show. So don't be shy if that is something that you're interested in telling me about. I'm so grateful that you are here and that you're choosing to listen to this podcast among the probably hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. I really appreciate it. And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. We'll see you right back here next week. 